Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning. Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Good morning. All right, the sermon text today takes us to the last three verses in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, where we read, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, it is humbling be called sons and daughters of God. But as we just read in Isaiah, you say, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God, we ask that this truth, that this proclamation of our identity would overwhelm our hearts this morning, God that you have called us out of darkness, that you have redeemed us, and you have given us eternal life through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we would live in this truth to the praise of your glorious grace. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Great. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you, Daniel. You can, you, you're good too, Doug. All right. Good. Glad to hear it. I heard there was a tornado warning. I didn't see a tornado, so I think we're good. Uh, great to have you here. Lots of new faces in the room. Uh, but for those who have been rolling with us, we are about to begin a series walking through the book of Acts. And it's obviously going to be a long journey. It will take us through the bulk of this year, but it's going to be awesome. We get to see the beginning of the church as the gospel spreads throughout the world. So it's such an encouraging book. But before we jump into the book of Acts, before we talk about the disciples going out into the world and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, I want to kind of fill the gap between Christ's resurrection and the book of Acts. Because after Jesus died, the disciples didn't just like form a committee and decide we better start telling people about Jesus. They didn't have a focus group or take a vote and say, I think we should travel the world and tell this story. They didn't do that. When, when Jesus died, they locked themselves in a room, scared and confused, right? They huddled up, locked the doors like, whoa, we're just going to hide here for a while. They were still afraid of the Jews and of the Romans, and they didn't know what to do. They had walked with Jesus for so long. They, they knew and they believed that he was the Messiah, but then he died. 
It kind of turned everything on its head for them, so they just hid. They hid. But we know that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose victoriously, and he came to these confused and scared disciples and walked right through their locked door. Luke 24, verse 45 says, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And then in John 20, 22, we read that he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Jesus removed the veil from their eyes and they finally saw clearly everything the prophets and the law had been pointing to and everything Jesus had been saying suddenly made sense. Jesus offering up his life was always the plan. And so the gospel becomes alive in their hearts. They saw that Jesus had come to deal with sin, to give them a new heart and a new hope and a new purpose. The disciples didn't realize at the time, but those three years traveling with Jesus and learning from Jesus had been preparing them for this task he was about to give them, to be heralds of the good news of salvation. And here at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus sends them out with this command to go and make disciples of all nations. And so our passage as Matt said, comes at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's about to ascend into heaven, and these are his parting words to the disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. These are the, the final words of Jesus. This is the charge that he left his disciples and us before he ascended into heaven with the promise that he will return in glory. And it's really a fitting start to our series on the book of Acts. And it's fitting coming off of our mission and vision series over the past five weeks because our mission as a church is Jesus' mission for his church. To be a disciple-making people. And it's crazy when, when you think about it. Like we sit in this room today as the church because faithful men and women for generations have been obedient to this call. They've done the work of proclaiming salvation and making disciples, and now it is our turn to continue this rich legacy of faith. Like the parable of the tenants from Matthew 25, we have been entrusted with something of value. We represent Christ in this world. And the question for each of us is, what will we do with the gospel message we've been entrusted with? What, what will we do? Will we let fear and selfishness drive us to bury this message? Will we let the allure of wealth and comfort choke out the message? 
Or will we bring glory to God by spreading this precious gift to all who will hear? They're questions that must be asked. Because going and making disciples does not happen spontaneously just because we call ourselves Christians. That's not how it works. Making disciples requires action. It is a tangible, deliberate, active, heart-driven movement of obedience to Christ. And if we're not seeking to make disciples, then we're not being faithful to what Jesus called us to. So what, are we, what we're going to do over this week and next week is look at this simple call to go and make disciples of all nations. And today, I want to start by focusing in on the power and the motivation to go and make disciples. Kind of the, the big sweeping picture or maybe the foundation. And then next week, we're going to get into the method. How do we do it? What are the practical struggles or deterrents to doing it in our daily lives? And I want to start with the power and the motivation because without these the method is pretty worthless. If we don't see that Jesus has promised abundant power for this call, and if the truth of who he is doesn't motivate us to be obedient, then even if we attempt to make disciples, it will be in our own power, and it will be for our own glory, and therefore it will be futile. So, this is where we're going, and what we need to realize first is that when Jesus says, make disciples, it's a command. It's a command to all believers. Linguistically speaking, it's called an imperative. It's not wise advice. It's not a good suggestion. It is a command from the Lord Jesus. But as we often talk about here at Christ Church, the imperatives of Scripture are always rooted in the indicatives. That is, the commands that God gives us in Scripture are always connected with statements of truth about God or about us. Those are called indicatives. They indicate something. And the imperative we find in our text today is, is kind of sandwiched with an awesome pair of indicatives. There are two statements of facts, two promises in these verses that inform and empower our call to make disciples. First, Jesus says in verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's powerful. He is sovereign over the cosmos. And then in verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the promise of power by which we're called to go and make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And behold, I'm with you. I'm with you always. 
with all his power and all his authority. He is working his purposes through us and in us, and he is with us until the end of the age. And if we truly believe that, if we know Jesus in that way, if we grasp that kind of power, nothing could stop us from proclaiming that truth. The sovereign creator of all things is with us and empowering us always. But if we're honest, for some folks, hearing about Christ's authority over all things doesn't bring about a sense of awe and wonder. It just kind of poses this theological problem, fills their mind with questions, right? If he has authority over the world, then why is the world such a stinking mess, right? Or if he has authority over life and death, then why did my loved one die? We've all heard those questions. Most of us have probably struggled or are struggling with those questions. And there's a lot more. But there's another way to view the power and the authority of Jesus. I like to call it the biblical way. It's kind of what we try and do here. This is how Jesus tells us to view this amazing truth. Because the brokenness of humanity and the tyranny of death were not a surprise to God. They didn't surprise Jesus. It is why he came. Because the world is a meth and mess and death meth. Meth is bad too. And death reigns. And Jesus was clear. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Right? Why do we get surprised? He says, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. It is not going to be easy. And he says, if you follow me, that's only going to make it harder. That's a different message than you hear sometimes, right? Jesus is going to make your life here harder if you follow him faithfully. And he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The chaos and sin in the world, the pain and the sorrow, the ever-looming reality of death. That's why Jesus came. And the promise for all who believe is that not even death will have the final say. Not even death can separate us from his love. But rather everyone who lives and believes in me, Jesus says, shall never die. And I love right after that, he says, do you believe this? Right? That's the question. The statement is easy to understand and clear as day. Jesus says, do you believe this? The power we have in this life through Jesus Christ is power and authority to free us from sin and fear and doubt. So that when we trust his promises that he will and is With us always, you will be unstoppable in love, just like Jesus. 
if he is with you to the end and he has all power and all authority in the universe, then you can love and serve and sacrifice even if it costs you your life and you lose nothing. This is the power of the resurrection. In Christ, we have power over sin, victory over death, and the promise is eternity with him in glory. Jesus is with you in power on an intimate, personal level through every struggle and every triumph, enabling you to live your life not just for your own interests, but for this community and for this world. You are set free to live a life poured out, knowing that nothing can separate you from his love. This is the promise of power that we've been given in Jesus to go and make disciples. We've been set free to love sacrificially. But Jesus isn't just the promise of power for this call. He is also our motivation to live it out. Our motivation to follow Christ is not a set of propositions. It's not a golden ticket to heaven or the command of some distant, uninvolved God. It is a relationship. Christ has redeemed us from the bondage of sin and death and said, follow me, follow me. We are disciples of Jesus. When you trust in Jesus, you begin a lifelong journey as a disciple of Jesus. Learning from Jesus, following Jesus, imitating Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And what Jesus is teaching his disciples in us in this text is that to be a disciple of Jesus, we must be disciple makers. You see that, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples who he has walked with and saying, go make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And the very heart of what it means to be a Christian is to know Jesus and to make him known. That's the call on the life of every believer to know Jesus and to make him known. It's not one or the other. It has to be both. If we don't know him, then we can't really make him known. And if we're not making him known, then we don't truly know or trust Jesus for who he is. In other words, the Christian life is not about right information, but right relationship. It's not knowing about Jesus, but knowing Jesus intimately. It is a real relationship with the Lord of all creation. He is our Lord. He is our Savior, our God. And we know that it is his perfect sacrifice that has redeemed us from death and secured our life with him in the heavenly places. And as we follow Jesus, as we draw near to him and learn from him, as we listen to his word and pray for his purposes in our life, we realize that he has brought us in so that he might send us out. We've seen it time and again throughout scripture. 
But I'll give you some examples. They're so simple. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus is at the beginning of his earthly ministry. He's calling disciples to himself for the first time. And he walks up on the shore of Galilee, rolls up on Peter, fishing in his boat with some guys. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right? So Jesus told him the plan from the get-go. Right? No secrets. This is the first thing Jesus said when he chose these men. Follow me, walk with me, know me, and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus had a purpose for these guys. He didn't just say, follow me. He tells them, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to make you into something you currently are not. I'm going to change you because they weren't fishers of men. They were fishers of fish. That's what fishermen do. They fished fish. But when Jesus called them to follow him, they dropped their nets and they began the journey of becoming something new. We could call it sanctification. They didn't know how to fish for men. But by journeying with Jesus, by following him, they were going to learn. Jesus says, know me and make me known. Again, in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, we read, And he, that's Jesus, appointed the twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. There it is again. You see, the relationship, the intimacy, Jesus wanted these men to know him, but that wasn't all. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. You were brought in that you might be sent out. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, and we talked about it last week, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. We have been commissioned by God to carry the message of salvation and hope to the world. And if we, as the church, as the people of God, are not proclaiming his name in this community and in this world, then what does it say about how we value the one we represent? If we know him, we will make him known. We will want to tell the world about him. This is what the entire book of Acts is about. It's about God working powerfully through his people to spread the good news of salvation and hope to the world. Because when the love of Christ takes root in our souls, when the magnitude of the gospel grips our heart, when our eyes are open to see and savor who Christ is for us, we will make him known. And that's my prayer for Christ Church Kingwood, that we would know Christ in this way, that he would bring transformation to our hearts, that we would be so saturated by the love of Christ that the gates of hell couldn't stop us from proclaiming the name of Jesus. 
that we would lay down our lives to see the gospel advance around the world. And I want to be clear, like I'm not here to guilt you into sharing your faith or to give you something else to do. If talking to people about Jesus is a burden to you, please don't. I'm serious. Don't. If the message of salvation through Jesus doesn't bring you joy and hope and make you want to share it with the world, what on earth are you going to tell them? Right? Don't. And if this is you, you don't need to do any more for Jesus. You need to know more of Jesus. And we would love to help you with that. We would love to walk with you in that. I'm not here to compel you to do, but urge you to see, to know Jesus in such a way that his heart becomes your heart, that his passion for the lost and dying around the world becomes your passion. This is why Jesus called his disciples to follow him. And this is why Jesus called you. Did you ever think about that, that Jesus called you? He knows you, and he called you to himself. And he called you for a purpose. Let that soak in. And he didn't call you just to give you a new set of tasks, but to give you a new heart, to give you a new perspective on the world to open your eyes to the eternal struggle that's going on in this world and to give you a heart that beats for the message of salvation to be spread to all people. Because Jesus didn't just say, go make disciples. He said, go make disciples of all nations. And you can't read scripture and not realize that the call of the church is to spread the gospel to the whole world. When God chose Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, he said, In you shall all the nations be blessed. This was always the plan, to redeem a people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, to build an eternal family. And Jesus says, Go make disciples of all nations. The heart of Jesus, the love of Jesus is for the nations. It's for salvation to be proclaimed to every home in Kingwood and every village in Africa. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, this must be our heart as well. Christ has sent you out. He has called you to the nations. We obviously are not all called to pack our bags and move to Afghanistan or China or Africa. But we have all been called to go in prayer to go in support. We've been called to use our time and our resources and our passion to spread the, the love of Jesus, the name of Jesus to every village in this world. And that includes Green Tree Village and Bear Branch Village and Kings Point Village. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that the love of Christ controls us. This is what we want as disciples of Jesus. And that's my prayer for everyone in this room, to be controlled by the love of Jesus. 
That we would be a people who cry out to God in prayer that he would fill us and control us with his love. Not that we would drudge through the routines of trying to share our faith or support missions work or try to make disciples, but that he would give us a heart and a burden for the lost. That spreading the good news of salvation to the world would bring joy and purpose to our lives. That we would look for opportunities to tell the story of how the love of Christ transformed our hearts. What Christ has done in our lives. If you know Christ, you have been called to make him known. Jesus is both the power and the motivation to live out this call on our lives to go and make disciples. But everything flows from knowing him. If you don't feel this power, or if the gospel doesn't bring you life and joy and compel you to tell the world about Jesus, then you don't know him as you could. You don't know him as he wants you to know him. And I can't give you a passion for Jesus. I can't give you a heart that longs to spread salvation. But God can. Pray and ask that he would reveal himself to you in power. Pray that the love of Christ would overwhelm you. That it would control you that he would awaken your soul and invite people into that prayer with you. There are people that would love to pray with you. As disciples of Jesus, we have been brought in so that we might be sent out. We've been called to know Christ and to make him known among the nations. And if we grasp the power and the promises of Christ in this text, and we are obedient to his call, we will see amazing transformation in this community and in this world. That is my prayer for this church, that God would stir our hearts in such a way that we as a community cannot remain silent, but are compelled to proclaim salvation to our neighbors and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Father God, just as we prayed at the beginning, you have called us your own. We are yours. We are secure in your unshakable love. And you have called us with a purpose. You brought us in that you might send us out to proclaim hope and life and salvation into this world. Father God, give us boldness to proclaim, not to earn your favor, but because we know that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And we, we long to invite others into this love and peace and security that is only found in you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamlin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org.